Hey everybody and welcome back to Access Blockbusters Pod. It is so good to have you guys here with me today. Happy Friday everybody. Hope everybody's doing well and we are back for another episode of the podcast. So excited to have you guys. Unfortunately, I do have to say off the bat that CM will not be joining us for today's episode. We're very sad about that. He may be gone uh, maybe today and maybe next week, not entirely sure, but he will definitely be back for those of you guys who enjoyed him last week. I had a blast with him and uh, yeah, we can't wait to have him back on the podcast, but today it's just me flying solo and uh, yeah, hopefully you'll stick around for the ride and we're going to be talking about a lot of exciting things today. Uh, it's been a it's been a big week for Marvel, if you couldn't tell. There's been a lot of things that have been going on, so um, yeah, without further ado, uh, let's just get a couple housekeeping things out of the way before we get started. First of all, uh, if you haven't noticed uh, or if you haven't seen the Google form that I've been putting out, uh, I've been linking in the descriptions of all of my videos, then uh, if, well, first, if you would like the chance to be featured in the podcast, if you would like the chance to have a topic or a question featured on the podcast, and basically how the podcast is going to work is that we have main topics that we discussed for a while, and if there are any questions at the end, we can do a little Q&A as well, and those questions don't have to be related to anything in particular, just anything in the world of anything, really, movies or, you know, random things. Um, and if you would like the chance to have your name shouted out with those questions or topics, then please feel free to fill out the Google form. It helps us shape the podcast in a way that, you know, interests you, because that's really what we're here to do, is to talk about things that you're interested in, as well as things that we're interested in, um, and have a good time doing that. So again, the Google form, as always, will be linked in the description down below of the YouTube video of this podcast. And by the way, uh, if you prefer to listen to an audio-only version, if you don't want it on YouTube, we are on Spotify. Um, we are also using the platform called Anchor, uh, if you prefer to listen to it there. But yes, we are on Spotify. If you just look up Access Blockbusters Pod, we are trying to get on Apple Podcasts. I'm not entirely sure what the deal is with that. Uh, we might already be on Apple Podcasts. I'll, I'll double check as soon as this podcast is over. But um, yeah, if we're not there, you know, stay tuned. We'll be looking for that. But we should be on most of the major platforms. So that's very exciting for us. Um, and so that's that's that for the Google form. Second really big piece of housekeeping announcement that I have to make is we are introducing something new for the Access Blockbusters YouTube channel, because this is the podcast, but for the Access Blockbusters YouTube channel, we are introducing what is called Access Blockbusters Pod Clips or ABP Clips. And I'm taking a little bit of inspiration from John Campia, if you guys know him. Um, he's pretty big in the YouTube space. And what he does is he does his daily shows and then he has, um, you know, those one or two hour long, uh, daily John Campia shows, uh, posted to YouTube. But he also, uh, you know, discusses main topics like we're doing here. And then he posts the little clips of, of just those topics on the YouTube channel. And I thought, you know, uh, just to be quite frank, to pull the curtain all the way back, well, pull, not all the way back, but just a little bit, um, I mean, the podcasts obviously don't do as well on the YouTube channel as, as other videos do, and that's totally understandable if, you know, somebody doesn't want to click on a one-and-a-half-hour video. That's completely fine, you know, totally understandable. Um, but I do think that some of the things that we talk about on the podcast are things that you would be interested in. And so, uh, you know, today we'll be talking about Suicide Squad, we'll be talking about Black Widow, we'll be talking about Loki, and... I thought if, you know, if you don't want to listen to the podcast or if you don't want to look at the time codes and if it's too much of a hassle, no problem at all, we'll be posting all of the individual little segments that we do as different videos. And they'll be, you know, however long we talk about them, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. And hopefully, uh, you know, if uh, it, it'll get more people to listen to the podcast, hopefully in its entirety, which would be awesome. I would really appreciate that. Uh, but if not, you know, if you just want to hear me talk about Loki and why maybe I was a little disappointed by it, then you'll just listen to that 20-minute video, and that'll be great as well. It'll help support the channel. Um, so, yeah, we'll be introducing ABP clips. I believe they will be coming out at the exact same time as the actual podcast on YouTube, so stay tuned for that. And that is basically all of the housekeeping items out of the way. Now... Uh, usually, well, not usually, we just started this last week, but with the Google form, you can, again, submit topics that you want us to talk about, and these topics are usually relevant things that are going on, um, you know, generally within the last week, although it doesn't have to be, but, you know, if we get a lot of topics, we're gonna have to pick and choose more relevant things to talk about, um, but we would love, you know, to hear what you guys want us to talk about, and so we do have one main topic today. We unfortunately don't have a Q&A part today because nobody's sending questions, totally fine, uh, but again, feel free to submit stuff for the Google form. 
And so today's topic comes from Star Wars Galactic, and this is the From the Crew segment. We're going to hear from you guys and what you guys want to talk about. So this is, uh, this is again, from Star Wars Galactic. Thank you so much for submitting a topic. And I'm going to read out... Um, what he has to say and we're gonna we're gonna talk about it so he says it was announced recently that the casting details for a new batgirl film are that warner brothers are looking for a new jim gordon and a barbara gordon slash batgirl with us having two jim gordons one in the dceu dc extended universe and one in the battinson universe wouldn't you say that it's a missed opportunity of not introducing batgirl into the dceu with there already being batman ben affleck that's been in and hopefully he says going to be in, in a lot of future films in the dc universe that's the first question uh, because it makes a lot of sense in my opinion to do that instead of just starting a new dc universe altogether and finally on the subject of uh, this topic what are you hoping to see from a background movie thank you so much star wars galactic for uh your question and topic so there is actually a lot to discuss here and i'm really glad because um i think this issue runs just a little deeper than batgirl and batman in particular so we'll break it down um so the first part of the question so for those of you who don't know it's been rumored for quite a while now that there are they being warner brothers has been developing a batgirl film it's been in various stages of production as have been a lot of the dc films including the flash uh at one point I do believe Joss Whedon was attached to it. I obviously, after the whole Snyder Cut debacle, I don't think that's the case anymore. But regardless, um, you know, there were some rumors and rumblings that that they're looking for a new Batgirl. And we're, I at least I'm not entirely sure if it's going to take place in the DCEU. It, it could very well. It could be in its own separate thing. But I think, so the first question uh, that Star Wars Galactic is, is asking here is really, you know, doesn't it make sense just to, keep like a, a Batgirl in the DCEU uh, instead like why are we making a completely separate one when we have you know the Ben Affleck universe um, and and you know we're hoping that Ben Affleck is going to appear in a lot of the future DCEU films and I think that's where I think that's the first part of the question that I take not issue with it's not your question your question was great I think it's more DC that part of the question with DC that I take issue with is, is because look it's not any secret that the DCEU in its entirety, starting from Man of Steel, and I believe the last film was, not including the standard cut, was uh, Birds of Prey. The DCEU, just as a whole, as a unit, has been... Oh, I'm sorry, not, not Birds of Prey, Wonder Woman 1984. But the DCEU as a whole has been... Let's not blunt words. It's been a disaster in terms of, you know, consistency and quality. And I'm not even just talking about continuity. Like, I'm totally fine with making more standalone films. In fact, we're going to talk about Marvel and and why, you know, the whole interconnected thing might be getting a little out of, out of hand. So I'm totally fine with them making an Aquaman film that doesn't really connect to Justice League at all, and that's fine. But there has been just this wild varying in consistency and these same characters jumping from film to film being wildly different in each one. Like Harley Quinn started out in, the, uh, in Suicide Squad, then she went into Birds of Prey, and then she went into The Suicide Squad. You know, it's like, it's it's all over the place. So my first thing is that I don't honestly know, first of all, what this Batgirl film is going to be. Is it going to be very closely connected to the Ben Affleck thing, or is it going to be its own separate thing? I think that's the first thing that has to be answered here, right? It's because, look, if, if you want to make a Batgirl film related to Ben Affleck, then you're clearly going back to the DCEU. And I mean, you can do that. That's totally fine. Or they might just want to be making like a Birds of Prey sort of more standalone film with, you know, a, a character that's very popular in, in Batgirl. But the second thing in your question, and in, in the first part of that question, is is also an interesting one. And that you say, hopefully, so I, I want to make sure that we, we understand that Super, uh, Star Wars Galactic is saying, hopefully. He's not saying that he is going to be, he being Ben Affleck is going to be, in a lot of DCU films. But I think it's also important to point out that I don't think Ben Affleck is going to be in the DCU after The Flash. Uh, I could be completely wrong. But for those of you who have been following the whole Ben Affleck situation, he started out as, you know, obviously the Batman in, um, in Batman v Superman. He went to Justice League. Justice League was a disaster. And at that time, it was reported, hey, Ben Affleck is done after Justice League. Then he kind of went back for some Snyder Cut reshoots, and then he was going to make his own Batman film. Then he stepped off from directing the Batman film, but he was still going to act in it. And then he got Matt Reeves to direct it, and then he stepped out of acting it. So 
you know, and then obviously later on, he decides to come into the Flash and in whatever capacity. I don't honestly think that the DCEU is going to touch Ben Affleck's Batman for a while after the Flash. And I do think that Michael Keaton will be the primary Bruce Wayne, at least. I don't think Batman. I think Batman, we'll see what they do, but they might just want Batgirl to be the next sort of Batman figure, which I, I'm not sure how good of an idea that is because... While I enjoyed Ben Affleck's Batman, I think Robert Pattinson's Batman's going to be excellent. I think if you want a DCEU, and if you're, especially if you're going to bring in Superman back at some point with Henry Cavill, which I hope, or they're just going to reboot it with the, you know, the J.J. Abrams one. Um, but I feel like, you know, you, you would want Batman in some capacity. I'm not saying that you don't want Batgirl because you have a Batman. I'm saying you can have both. Um, but I, I think it's kind of a stretch to say, and I'm just talking about you know, business numbers. I'm not talking about representation because I think it's, you know, it's great if you have a Batgirl and, and have female representation. But I'm saying that obviously more people would be uh, interested in a Batman film than a Batgirl film because obviously Batman is one of the most popular comic book characters of all time. Like, you know, Hulk versus, uh, like Hulk Ling, for example. Um, so I, I just think that we have to kind of figure out where this Batgirl film is in this whole mess of a DCEU right now. Because um, obviously you have sequels going on. You have Shazam. You have, But then you have a Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. Which we'll talk about in just a second. Which is related to really nothing. Except having some same characters. So I, I think that's important to set up first. The second part of your question is. Um, so, so then uh, Star Wars Galactic says. Because it makes sense. A lot of sense in my opinion. To do that i think that being you know having the background already existing in the dceu then and then having its own thing um which again like i was saying i think it just depends on what the direction of the dceu is it, it could just be a complete disaster for all we know um not not the background filming but the dceu's direction but then he says uh and then finally what are you hoping to see from background film that's a really interesting question um, I have had very limited exposure to the Barbara Gordon character. Uh, I do know a little bit about her. I, I have seen, uh, I read a little bit of The Killing Joke. Um, but I am not entirely as familiar with her character as, let's just say, uh, you know, obviously Batman. And by the way, on the subject of, of a Barbara Gordon, you know, we talk about Jim Gordon, right? I don't think it's safe to say even that J.K. Simmons is ever coming back as Jim Gordon in the DCEU. Um, to be fair, so like, you know, Star Wars Galactic was saying, well, we have a Jim Gordon here, but then we have a Jeffrey Wright there, uh, and, you know, like, Jeffrey Wright, J.K. Simmons. I don't even know if we if J.K. Simmons is going to come back in, in a Batgirl film, or, like, if they're going to cast a completely different Jim Gordon, and all that sort of stuff. So it's just a lot of moving pieces. Um, I will say this. I, in a Batgirl film, and me not being a super close comic book re reader, although I'm a huge fan of obviously the material that's come out of the comic books with the movies and the television shows and all that sort of stuff, I am not entirely familiar with what makes, what defines Barbara Gordon as Batgirl. We know that Batman is defined in most things as, you know, not killing and, you know, in most things. And a vigilante, uh, Bruce Wayne, obviously rich billionaire who, who works in the Batcave and all that sort of stuff. I am not entirely sure what the defining characteristic of a Barbara Gordon film is. So to be quite honest with you, I'm not expecting anything. And I think I, I think for me, as an audience member, as a more casual comic reader, um, I think for me, if I wanted to see a Batgirl film, I would just say as long as the story is solid, the action is solid, and as long as they're tr not trying too hard to make Batgirl the next Batman, because we talked about, you know, what's the Batman situation in the DCEU or whatever universe this Batgirl film takes place in. Um, as long as they're trying not to, you know, too hard not to make her the next, like, Batman-level character, and just have her be Barbara Gordon, you know, have a good Barbara Gordon Batgirl story, I would be totally fine with that. Um, I think that, you know, whatever direction they decide to go in, um, as long as they make a good solid film, I'm happy. And honestly, at this point when, with DC, you know, and Warner Brothers, obviously with the whole business side of it being sold off and all that sort of stuff, it's kind of a huge debacle what to do with, with the DCEU. And they're just kind of chugging forward into the multiverse a little bit, but, uh, it, it feels less planned than it does for Marvel where Marvel feels like we have a plan with the multiverse. I feel like for DC, it's more, 
we just don't really know what to do and we're just gonna chuck the multiverse and try to reset everything. And that's fine, you know, it can work. It works in the comics with the resets and the new 52 and all that sort of stuff. But again, you know, I've been rambling on and on about Batgirl for a while, so we will see um, exactly what they decide to do. But that is a great question, uh, Star Wars Galactic. Thank you so much for writing in. And yeah, again, guys, if you guys want to um, make sure that you have a question uh, for the podcast, a topic, then make sure to fill out the Google form and we will get to that as well. But speaking of the DCEU, I think, and more on a positive note, that the next upcoming film in the DC Extended Universe is The Suicide Squad. And recently, I think today, I am you know recording this on Thursday, uh, July 15th, I believe. Um, and today the first Suicide Squad reactions came out. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit because, you know, I mean, we just kind of talked about how the DCU is kind of a mess in my opinion, at least. And again, that's not to say, you know, going back to that topic for just a quick second, not to say that I don't like a lot of the films. I love the first Wonder Woman. I thought it was great. I enjoyed, you know, Justice League, the, the weed and cut. You can call me a fake fan if you want. I don't care. I enjoyed it. Um, and I also, Again, documented on this channel, I really like the Snyder Cut. I like Shazam, thought, you know, Birds of Prey was okay. I liked Aquaman. So, yeah, I, mean, I didn't like Wonder Woman 1984. I didn't like Man of Steel. I didn't like Batman v Superman. Um, probably missing one over there, but, you know, that's all right. And so, you know, I, I but again, oh, and Suicide Squad, obviously. And I, you know, I thought it was Suicide Squad was not great, but you know, regardless, the Suicide Squad is coming out, and it has very little to do with the first Suicide Squad, other than returning cast members like Viola Davis and uh, Joel Kinnaman, but um, James Gunn is now directing a new film. It's coming out in just over, I think, three weeks? Um, pretty close, actually, and I'm very excited to see it, um, and we got our first reactions, and I wanted to go over a few of them and just kind of get a general consensus of how people are feeling about the Suicide Squad, and honestly, you know, right off the bat, I think that it, it sounds excellent. And I think that that's to be expected at this point because James Gunn has been very vocal about the fact that he has gotten to make the film that he always wanted to make with the Suicide Squad. You know, Warner Brothers had very little interference with him. And I think that's awesome. So let's go over just a few reactions really quick. Um, let's see. This first one comes from Brandon Davis, comicbookmovie.com, who says, The Suicide Squad is absolutely insane. Vicious as hell, raunchy, unforgiving. James Gunn is fully unleashed. It's sometimes overwhelming, but it has moments of heart, humor, action, motion, all of it. Relentless. There's nothing like it. And honestly, I think that basically sums up what we see in the trailers. A lot of the people, we'll go over a couple more reactions in a, in a second, um, are saying that this film really does earn the R rating. It's violent, it's vicious, like uh, like Brandon Davis was saying. Um, and I think, you know what, if James Gunn is going to go for it with a Suicide Squad film, then by all means. I mean, we see King Shark in one of the trailers ripping somebody in half. Like, that's, that's pretty crazy. Um, and, you know, I think that James Gunn, uh, is not allowed to do that sort of stuff with Marvel, which I'm not saying is a bad thing, because I don't think Guardians of the Galaxy needs to be rated R, guys. Like, I think even if James Gunn was given the option to make a Guardians of the Galaxy film R-rated, I other than maybe adding a few more F-bombs if, if he wanted to do that, I don't think it would even get an R-rating, because that's just not what Guardians is. But it's clear that James Gunn also wanted to make a sort of R-rated comic book movie, and I'm very glad... I'm very glad that he got to do that with the Suicide Squad. I'm very glad that he is getting the opportunities now to make the Peacemaker show because of, you know, the rewarding his creative vision. Um, let's go to another one. This is from Steven Weintraub of Collider, who says, Absolutely loved the Suicide Squad. The movie is super violent, extremely funny, and a huge home run for James Gunn and DC. Tons of surprises and things I wasn't expecting. Just a great movie, which is awesome. Um, and I think, you know, just going through really quickly a few more of these reactions, I won't read every single one, there's a bunch of them, um, but basically all of them are echoing the fact that this film is insane, it's just absolutely off the walls, off, it's just absolutely crazy what they were able to do with this film, um, it's unexpected, which I think was something that we were, you know, so, you know, ironically expecting this film to be unexpected, uh, with James Gunn saying, you know, be prepared, most of the characters are gonna die, um, which is really interesting, by the way. I mean, like, would Harley Quinn die? I'm not sure. I doubt it. But, I mean, you never know. If they gave James Gunn the complete creative freedom to do whatever he wanted, he might have done it. Um, it's it's hard to say. I'm, you know, I'm really curious to see what happens. And and most of all, people are just saying that this film is, is fun. Um, but not in the way that 
like a film to me, like uh, maybe even Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 to give a more apt example is it, that film is fun. It has, you know, a lot of emotion at the very end with Yondu. But overall, I would just say that the film is, is fun. It's fine. It's really enjoyable. But this, you know, a lot of the critics here are seeming to say and, and have the consensus of this film is fun, but it also is emotional. It has heart. It has humor. It has everything. And I think that that's what you really want to look for in a good comic book movie. I think, you know, we'll talk about Black Widow right after this, but like a film, you'd want a film to be funny in certain places if it, if it warrants it. Like a film like, you know, Logan even has a good couple jokes in there. Um, you want the film to have a heart no matter what the film is, I think. And as in a film like The Suicide Squad, you just want it to be fun. And honestly, that's that's all I'm expecting. It's just to have an absolute blast watching The Suicide Squad. And I'm, I'm just really excited to see it. So, you know, honestly, um, even though, you know, James Gunn had that whole dramatic situation, and even though the first Suicide Squad film wasn't my favorite film, comic book film ever, I think this film looks fantastic. I have no idea how it connects to the DCU at all. And honestly, I don't think James Gunn cares, really. I don't think I care that much either. And I think that's fine. You know, you have Marvel, you have DC. I think that's fine. Um, so I'm really excited. And I would love to know if you guys are excited as well about the Suicide Squad. Because I, I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm so happy that we're getting comic book movie month after month after month. I think it literally is every month. Uh, we had... Black Widow in July, we, ha uh, yeah, July, we had, um, what is it, Suicide Squad in August, Shang-Chi in September, I think Venom 2 in, uh, in October, Eternals in November, Spider-Man, December, and I think February is, is, it picks back up with, um, Thor, or, or I could be completely wrong, it could be something else, but anyways, I am, yeah, I'm super excited about that, um, and so that is, those are the first reactions to the Suicide Squad, super great, super great to hear. And now we've talked about two DC projects, and let's talk about the two Marvel projects that were all over the headlines uh, this past week. So first of all, we are going to talk about Black Widow, and you know I would love to have had CM on the show um, to give some in-depth thoughts on Black Widow uh, and his thoughts and his perspective. As it is, though, um, he unfortunately was not able to make it, but I can tell you that he he did really enjoy the film, and he echoes a lot of things that I'm about to say. Um, I think that you know I think we we both very much enjoyed the film. Spoiler alert. Um, and yes, this is going to be a full spoiler segment on Black Widow, um, and we're gonna really, you know, do a deep dive here for for just a little bit, and then we're gonna do a deep deep dive on Loki. Um, so how is this different than than um, than my Black Widow review, which you can check out on the Access Blockbusters YouTube channel? Is that this isn't really going to be me critiquing the pacing or the action or the visuals, and it's more of just going to be me talking about my overall feelings about the film. Um, why I think it's good, why I enjoyed it, and what I think it means for the MCU, and all this sort of stuff. We're going to talk about all of that in depth. So, just on an overall feeling basis, like, you know, because at the end of the day, uh, you can say, like, for example, I can say that the film Captain America the First Avenger, I know, unpopular opinion, is not my favorite MCU film, even though it has great visuals, pretty good acting, uh, great music, and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to what is your feeling? You know, how do you feel when you walk out of the theater? And, you know, I, I went into the theater for the first time since Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker over uh, a year and a half ago. And it was just great. You know, it, it it really felt great. And I and from the second the movie started, I just felt the difference. You know, I've seen some films that came out like Mulan, for example, on my TV screen. And it just it just wasn't the same. You know, it just wasn't that same experience that you get in a movie theater where the sound is blasting all around you. I happened to go to a really nice theater that had, you know, really nice chairs and, and great sound speakers and a huge screen. And obviously seeing the Marvel logo on a big screen and not a small screen that we've been like we've been seeing for the past six months has it was just it was just a fantastic thing to see. And here's here's what I'll say. I've seen a lot of people saying that, you know, Black Widow, um, I won't say a lot of people because it's, I'm not trying to call it anybody at all. I think that this comment was very apt in the fact that it pointed out something. And and that is that on my Black Widow review, um, I called it the best MCU film, solo film in years. And I believe that. I believe that this is the best MCU solo film since Black Panther, which was, I think, three years ago. I don't think it's better than Captain Marvel um, and I'm talking about I'm talking about like intro solo films like Spider-Man Far From Home is, you know, it's a solo film. Um, 
but I, I'm talking about like the Captain Marvels, the Thors, the Iron Mans, and all that sort of stuff. So I think you know Captain Marvel not as good. Uh, I think you know Black Panther. Obviously, like Black Panther was the last one, but I, I really do think that it it ranks up there with the solo films. I think it's better than Iron Man. I think it's better than Captain America: The First Avenger. I think it's better than Thor. I you know I think it's better than Ant Man. I I really did enjoy this movie, and. It's, it was just, it was a great time to me. But I understand, right? Like, we, we talk a lot about um, how film reaches us differently and how it's art. And because it's art, obviously different people are going to see it in different ways. And that's totally fine. You know, that is completely okay. And I have this saying of, I always, I always say this about people who talk about my opinions on things, is I don't care, you know, what you think about my opinions, because they are my opinions. I more so care about why you... Uh, why you think the way that you think about my opinions, because that's more constructive for me. And that allows me to see what you're thinking about. And, and we can have a discussion about that. All that aside, I got a comment on the Black Widow review that came out. And it was from a very well-meaning subscri uh, subscriber, commenter, or whoever it was. And, and they just said simply that, you know, you have me intrigued because um, people, I think the quote, I'm, I'm trying my best not to mis, uh, misquote, I don't have it right in front of me, but I believe the exact quote is people are slamming this movie. And I sat back and I, I thought about that for a second. And what I, what I replied was, and I, I believe this is true, is that it's, we live in two very different spaces, maybe three different spaces. One being the YouTube space of movie, let's say criticism or fandom or punditry. That's, you know, the YouTube space is one. Then we have the critic space, right? Where I, I'm not saying that, like, for example, a Jeremy Johns is not a legitimate critic. He is, of course. But I'm saying that the more traditional critics, the ones who write for newspapers and, and, and websites and things like that. So there's, there's those people. And then we have the rest of them, which is the general audience, right? Like everybody else who is going to see this movie who really doesn't care about pacing and just wants to have a good time in, in a movie. And I, I made a video about this, about you're watching movies wrong that video essay that talks about how we should all sort of embody that a little bit more in our lives, about how everybody, most people watching this YouTube channel are very quick to criticize things, which is totally fine because we are, uh, you know, big fans of the criticism part of movie crit movie critiques and all that sort of stuff. But I think it's important that we just enjoy what's in front of us. If we don't like it, well, we'll talk about stuff that people like that I don't like in, in a bit. But if we don't like it, that's totally fine. And I think that it's important for us in the YouTube space to realize that we are not the only audience out there. And I don't think that this commenter meant anything by it. I'm, again, I, I totally don't think that, I'm not trying to call out this person at all. I think it was a very, very well said and well put comment. So just to putting, just putting that out there. But I think for me, in reading that comment, I realized because I had watched a couple reviews of Black Widow before the film came out, and namely, you know, we all look at the Chris Duckmans, the Jeremy Johns, right? They're the two, I think, the two biggest movie critics on YouTube. And they both thought the movie wasn't good. And you know what? That's totally fine, right? Like, if Chris Duckman thinks that this movie is just C-level Marvel and it's boring and it shouldn't have been made and whatever, whatever, I'm, I'm trying not to put words in people's mouth. That's not exactly what he said. You go watch his review. Um, I'm not trying to, you know, put, put words in anyone's mouth. And Jeremy Johns thinks, you know, I don't like this movie either. That's totally fine. That is 100% fine. But then what I noticed was that a lot of people went on YouTube to make their own videos. I looked up some reviews just to see and, you know, seemed to kind of jump on that band bandwagon. And again, you know, if you don't like Black Widow, you legitimately don't like Black Widow. That's, there's nothing wrong with that, you know. I don't think anybody ever should invalidate that. But I do think that there is this odd perception just because a lot of the big critics on YouTube said that they don't like the movie that all of a sudden nobody likes this movie. And it's really interesting to me because, uh, and I replied to this comment with, with this, the film has an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is certified fresh, which is better than I think about half of the MCU movies, honestly. It has an 80%. I think it's pretty high in the audience score as well. I couldn't be, uh, I can't be, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure. Um, this movie is making money, obviously. It's a Marvel movie. Um, it got an A- cinema score. This film is generally liked by people. And I think that that's important to keep in mind here. Again, if you're one of those people who don't like this movie, totally fine. Feel free to comment down below in the YouTube, uh, in the YouTube video uh, and, and let me know why. 
but I happen to be one of those people who really enjoyed the film. And I think it's important to talk about this because, you know, it's important not to let other people's perceptions of things ruin your experience. And so I'll give you another example about my experience with Black Widow is Taskmaster. I try my best before a movie. Um, for those of you guys who don't know my personal philosophy when it comes to marketing and, and things like that, because I, I really hate spoilers. Um, I used to kind of not care that much. And then I realized that watching certain MCU movies with spoilers, like with Iron Man 3, I think I knew the twist going in. And obviously, you know, I made my own opinions about it, but it just, it wasn't as interesting at least. Um, and ever since then, I really try my best to avoid spoilers. And the thing is for me is I only watch the main trailers. I don't watch TV spots because why? That's We're not the target audience of TV spots anyways. The, we, we're going to see the movie. Um, and I try to avoid as many reviews as I possibly can because I want to form my own opinion about the movie. But I do read, you know, reactions and things like that. And a lot of the reactions, the first reactions of the movie were very positive. But a lot of them had said that Taskmaster was very disappointing to them. And we'll talk a lot about Taskmaster on this segment because I think it's important. And I think it's important to understand why people don't like Taskmaster. Um, and, and a lot of people said that Taskmaster was disappointing and that, you know, it was easily the weakest part of the film. And some people even said it was like Trevor Slattery in Iron Man 3. And I went into Black Widow almost worried about the, the Taskmaster twist. So up until they reveal who Taskmaster is, I was like, oh yeah, I'm enjoying this movie. I'm having a great time. But this nagging doubt in the back of my head of once they reveal Taskmaster, this movie is going to be ruined. And then, uh, and I'm going to I'm gonna mispronounce this name, Olga Kirlenkov, I think is her name. You know, she pulls off the helmet. It's Drakov's daughter. And I went, I just sat there and I went, I don't get it because I thought that was perfectly fine. Now, we are going to talk about why, because I think this is important. Why are people in general not happy with Taskmaster in this film? I think there is there there's one... Uh, there are there are a few groups of people um, out there about the Taskmaster thing, and and I think it's important that we break a couple of them down. The first of which being the comic book fans, which is by the way, you know we we are ingrained in the whole comic book lore and legacy and all that sort of stuff, but a vast majority of the people don't read comics, so they don't they don't know what what's going on in terms of Kang, in terms of Taskmaster, Tony Masters, or whatever. Um, and I think that that's really important to to understand. But the comic book fans in general have said that Tony Masters was, you know, should have been the villain, that it should have been a real photographic memory or photographic reflex person. And and that this is disappointing because she's basically an android. And what I say to that is maybe. But also, you don't know that they could have made Tony Masters in this movie and it could have been atrocious for all, you know, and. And I don't quite understand why people think that just having Tony Masters in the film instead of, you know, uh, I forget her name exactly, Antonia, Antonia Drakov, is, it would be better. Um, it could have been even worse, to be quite honest with you. Um, and I'm not saying it, it would would have been worse. And I think, you know, people point to the Mandarin example. And I, people have said, so do you, do you think that because people are mad about Taskmaster, which again, I don't think is true. I think that's really mostly in the YouTube community, not really in most other places. But people have said, you know, because Taskmaster was disappointing, do you think that they're going to do a Mandarin sort of thing where they're going to bring in the real Tony Masters later on? And I don't think so. I mean, everything's possible, but no, I don't think so. And the reason is because, you know, if they pulled off the Mandarin twist in Iron Man 3 and it was good in most people's eyes. Like it was satisfying in it of itself. I don't think we would be in this situation, really. The fact of the matter is that they picked, you know, it wasn't just that it was Trevor Slattery. It was that Aldrich Killian said, I am the Mandarin and then blew up. And obviously the Mandarin is, you know, it's an Asian character and you had a white person just yelling, I am the Mandarin all of a sudden when, and also like a British guy pretending to be the Mandarin. And, Look, I think that they wanted to do the Mandarin right. Like, they wanted to right a wrong. I don't think there's any right to wrong here with Taskmaster. You know, I, I understand if you're disappointed, uh, if you're a fan of Taskmaster in the comic book, because, uh, yeah, it's, it's a cool character, Tony Masters. The idea of having photographic, photographic reflexes is really cool. 
At the same time, I also think that what they did in the movie made narrative sense. So, you know, there are those group of there, there's that group of people who think it just wasn't the comics and it's not good. And and I don't I don't buy that at all. There's another group of people who just think it was a disappointing villain. And I understand that. Look, if you think that Taskmaster and Drakov were, were not the best villains, and they weren't my favorites either, that's absolutely fine. That is absolutely fine. Um, I would also say, though, that Marvel has a history of not making great villains anyways. So it's not like this is anything new, and it's not like it ruins the Black Widow movie. Like, for example, Guardians of the Galaxy, I think Ronan Accuser, the Accuser is awful. I think he's atrocious. I still think that that movie is top, near the top 10, top 12 in the MCU, for sure. And and I don't think that that detracts from, from that movie just being what it is, because that movie is not a Ronan movie. It's, it's a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. If they butchered Thanos, however, in Infinity War, we have a different story, because Thanos basically is... Um, the central character of Infinity War. As it stands, Taskmaster was barely in the film anyways, um, which can be a source of disappointment on its own. I know it is for me. I would have liked to see more action from Taskmaster, sure. But if it services the story, then, you know, what, what can I really say? I thought what they gave us was good. And, you know, the best example that I've been able to give to other people who have seen MCU films is Ghost in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I think that Taskmaster is very, uh, very comparable to Ghost in Ant-Man, how I felt about Ghost in Ant-Man and the Wasp. They weren't the big, big villains of the movie. And honestly, there were no big, big villains of those movies. You had Ghost and you had Sonny Birch. You had Taskmaster and you had Drakov. At the end of the day, they didn't have much personality. They might have had a little bit of a backstory development for them. And then they survived the film and are hopefully coming back. And I think that they're I think that's a good thing. You know, I think that there are a lot of things about those characters that would lend themselves to better development in the future. So I'm not worried. And for all of those people, by the way, who are saying, uh, for Loki, we'll get to Loki in a bit, but you know, oh, they didn't, you know, give this person development because season two. Well, I would argue that. Taskmaster, you haven't probably seen the last of that character yet. So, you know, we want to take things for what they are. But I'm also saying to be consistent, right? We don't want to just say, oh, well, there's going to be a sequel. So, you know, Black Widow doesn't have to be good. That's not what I'm saying. Um, which, by the way, I don't know if there's going to be a Black Widow sequel. We can talk about that in a second, too. But I think that it 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 makes it makes more sense to me that Taskmaster would return along with Red Guardian, along with Melina and Yelena. Um, and so that's, that's, you know, that's what I, I wanted to really touch on Taskmaster because, um, I understand the people who legitimately have a gripe with the character, but I also think that there is something to be said about the fact that, um, Antonia Drakov, I think made a lot of sense in the movie. And, and I think that, you know, I think it's just important to keep an open mind, um, is all. Um, uh, but speaking of things that worked in the movie, I mean, we, we got to talk about Yelena Belova, um, and what her future in the MCU is, because I also think that we should dedicate a good portion of this segment to um, the future of the MCU, as it seems to be very important. You know, we'll talk about it with Loki in a bit. Um, first of all, I think Florence Pugh was awesome, as, as everybody else said. I don't have anything new to add to that. Although, I do think that this MCU movie, um, I don't know if I was looking for it to be funny, Um in any particular way, but I found myself in the first little bit, I found the jokes to be a little flat, and it's not like they were cringy. Like, I think some of the jokes in the MCU can be a little cringy. Like, Age of Ultron toes the line, you know? It's, some of the jokes are like, like the omelet one that Iron Man says to Ultron, it, it's just, it doesn't fit there. I don't think Black Widow is that bad in terms of MCU humor. But I also, I also found myself consistently going like, oh, there's a joke. Oh, I didn't laugh. And the first time I legitimately laughed out loud in the film was the whole poser thing um, with Yelena. That was, I mean, that was awesome. And then Red Guardian comes in and he's pretty awesome too. Um, so there is that. But again, um, Yelena is the one given a lot of those jokes. But I, what the difference is between a cringy joke and what Yelena was doing is that while I didn't laugh at a lot of Yelena's lines and a lot of like, Yelena's jokes that were, I think, meant to be funny, I also appreciated that it added to her character, her deadpan sarcasm, her, you know, I, I like this would be a fun way to die sort of attitude. And I thought that was great. I really enjoyed the character and I really love the family dynamic. I don't think, 
you know, I'm adding anything new to the conversation here, but I do want to say that because I think that it's important to just, you know, to, to point out that like the Suicide Squad reactions were saying, you know, this film has a heart and that even though buildings are falling from the sky or I guess a floating Russian base is falling from the sky, that what makes this movie work as well as it does to me is that it has a heart. It works. Um, and I think that people are saying Natasha was overshadowed and I, I just think that, look, Yelena might have been the standout or Red Guardian might have been the standout, but this was this was a Black Widow movie. And I think that that's important to realize. In terms of where I think these characters go from here. So obviously Yelena is being set up to be a big part of the MCU. Um, whatever kind of team Val is setting up with the Thunderbolts, it, I, I would suspect, because she makes a joke about I want to raise, um, and I would suspect that she's working for Thunderbolt Ross, and, and we saw some hints to Red Red Hulk, I think, in, in um, Black Widow with him. The second, I think, triple bypass, and also he's holding a cane. Um, and I think that he, it's going to be clearly the Thunderbolts. So whatever, whether Yelena turns out to be a true hero or more of an anti-hero, because I don't know if it's fair to lump her in that same category as John Walker, who is also the only other recruit on this team so far. But then again, you know, maybe that's, that's kind of what it is. And I think that if you have like a Captain America 4, if you fight the Thunderbolts, that might be a really interesting concept, right? Sam Wilson against the Thunderbolts or an Avengers film, you know, we'll talk about the different ways the MCU can go with Loki in just a little bit. But again, I think that it's, it's a really cool thing to do with the character of now she's in present day. She's kind of more of her own person. And now she's being hired by Val. And Val is saying, look, this guy, Again, how do how does she know about Vormir? I don't know. But this guy, Hawkeye, Clint Barton, who your sister was close to, basically betrayed her, is what she was implying. Go kill him. And I think that really did an effective job of making job of making us more excited for the Hawkeye series. Cause I personally was kind of like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll watch it. I'll enjoy it probably. But uh now I'm so excited for the Hawkeye series, I think. If if Yelena's gonna be a big part of it, which is not even, you know, confirmed. If Hawkeye is like eight episodes, I think, or six episodes, if Yelena is in like half of one, that's, you know, that could be that. And so we don't want to raise our expectations too high. Um, and the last thing I'll talk about with Black Widow is uh, with Red Guardian and Melina. I think that those two characters are interesting because it it's... It's almost like, and I'll talk, I, I keep alluding to Loki, and we'll, we'll sort of do a wrap-up um, with with all of this at the end of, of the Loki segment of where is the MCU going from here? And I'll talk about my thoughts on a Young Avengers and a New Avengers and a Dark Avengers and all that sort of stuff, but we'll, we'll just talk about Black Widow right now. I think that Red Guardian and Melina are going to be relegated to the Black Widow franchise, and I think that's a good thing. I don't need Red Guardian to appear in Thor Love and Thunder. I don't need Melina Vostokov, even as Iron Maiden, to appear in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I would be totally fine if they just picked up the storyline in present day in Black Widow 2 starring Florence Pugh, honestly. Um, so whatever direction they decide to go, one of the things to wrap up the Black Widow part of this, of this podcast that I enjoyed the most was that it was standalone, was that this film while fitting in to the MCU, didn't bash you over the head with, I just came back from Civil War at the airport, oh, you know, good for me. It really was a Natasha self-contained story. And I miss that. Honestly, I do. Um, I, I just miss when the MCU can tell a good story. And I think that's what I'm so looking forward to the Suicide Squad is it's fun to, you know, to have things set up other things in the MCU. But also, we lose sight of the fact that these are also just stories that are being told. And the primary focus of entertainment is to just entertain and tell a good story. And I think, you know, the next thing we'll talk about failed to do so. But I think Black Widow, one of the reasons that I liked it so much, was that it, it, it just told its own self-contained story. And I really like that. Um, and so, yeah, you know, if you guys have seen my review, you know, you guys can can go check that out. I, I don't go as in-depth as I did in this podcast to that uh, in the review. But again, I just wanted to talk more about Black Widow and I really enjoyed it. Now, let's talk about the other big MCU thing. And that's Loki. So 
look, if you guys have seen my episode 6 uh, review video, you guys know that I, I'm very conflicted about this show. And this is the first time that I have felt any, I felt like this about any MCU pro, uh, product. And the reason is this, is because, you know, with movies, it's, it's hard in a movie to be that inconsistent unless you're, you know, you're like a product of just chopping room floor stuff and like editing and like, you know, for example, the first Suicide Squad was very uneven and inconsistent. But in general, when you're watching a two hour film, it has a consistency from beginning to end. It has one or two or, you know, one team of writers. It has one set of directors, same actors, you know, same characters, and it's it's one plot. And so the 23, I guess now 24 previously released MCU movies, I felt at the very least are consistent. I mean, I think The Incredible Hulk is consistently boring, but it's still consistently The Incredible Hulk. With these MCU shows thus far, I think WandaVision and The Falcon and the Winter Soldier have been pretty consistent as well. I think WandaVision kind of derailed itself a little bit at the end, but not not too much, right? And Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think all the way through, was very consistent. And I thought that was good. Here, The thing about Loki is, to me, the varying levels of quality of this show are jarring. And this is the first time that I felt like almost every single episode of Loki was written by a different person. And it, I mean, I'm sure that most of WandaVision's episode were written by different people and Falcon and the Winter Soldier's episode were written by different people. I, I don't know that for a fact, but I'm saying that, that with Loki, I looked up after the first few episodes, like who, who's writing these episodes, and sure enough, it's a different person each time. And you can tell. It's like six little pockets of writing that are just so varying in quality to me. Um, and it's frustrating because I don't know how to look at this show holistically anymore. You know, I don't. Um, just to give you a little bit of a brief recap, I, I loved episodes one and two. I thought they were fantastic. I didn't hate Hate is a strong word. I didn't hate episode three. I just thought it was completely useless, you know? I thought there were better ways to develop the Sylvie-Loki relationship. Well, it, and, you know, they went from point A to point B in episodes one and two, and then basically Loki and Sylvie went from point point B to point negative A and had to go all the way back to point A, and now they're, like, behind again. It, it was just frustrating to me. And then in episode four, they ramped up the gear again, and I thought episode four was fantastic. And then episode five kind of stalled a little bit again. And it was a little confusing to me. You know, I was like, okay, you, sure, setting up a finale, great. And then the finale just kind of abruptly ended. And it it's just, you know, it felt a little disappointing to me. And now we're going we're gonna to address a few things here in this segment of the podcast about Loki. But I will say this up front. Um, a lot of my feelings about this show are very subjective and personal. And if you enjoyed those things, which I know a lot of people did, um, for the life of me, I don't understand. You know, I, I don't understand. Um, but fine, you know, and, and that's totally great. But as long as we can all respect each other's opinions, then I, I don't think we have a problem at all. So, look, with Kang, and I, I know this is not probably the big bad version of Kang. I know on paper this is the insane, immortus version that just went crazy after millennia of sitting there. I get that. You know, people have been saying to me, oh, but, you know, can't you tell, like, well, hey, he's insane. That's why he's acting like that. I don't, I never had a question in my mind of why he was acting the way he was. It's just that I didn't like it. That's it. I thought he was corny. I thought he was cringy. I thought he was some weird mixture of the Joker both Jared Leto and some Heath Ledger in there, not in a good way, and even Jeff Goldblum, you know? I I, I just, it was this weird amalgamation of performances and, and eccentricity that just didn't work for me. And so, there, you know, there's one thing, right? You, you hinge one-sixth of your show, because all of episode six was about Kang. You hinge one-sixth of your show on Kang, which I didn't like, and I didn't 
you know, love the finale. That And that is what it is. And I am dearly hoping that we get, you know, a, a more menacing version of King in the future. I have no doubt we will. Um, but again, it, it's something that adds to my sort of nervousness about the next time we see Kang. Because if, if an Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania trailer comes out and it's this same version of Kang, I'm going gonna, I, I, gonna to obviously watch everything, but I'm not going to be as excited as I, as I could be, you know? So there's that. So they hinge the show on Kang at the end. Okay, fine. Another thing they hinge the show on is the relationship between Loki and Sylvie. And, you know, while I am warming up to the Sylvie character a little bit, I don't, still don't love the character even on her own. And to have her be this crux of, of Tom Hiddleston's Loki's character is, it was a little bit of a stretch to me. Um, it, it just didn't work, you know? And if you're hinging like half your show on that, well, then obviously I'm not going to enjoy that half of the show, really. And luckily, episodes one, two, and four were not really about that relationship at all. And that's that's fine. It was good. Um, I mean, episode four a little bit, but, uh, you know, they weren't together that much in that episode until the end. And, and that, you know, not coincidentally, I think, was the part of the show that I liked the most. Um, and then at the end of the day, what this show... I, because here's the thing about this show. The showrunners and the show writers and the head writer, Michael Waldron, was saying that this is ultimately, and the director, Kate, Kate uh, Heron, I believe, or Harlan or something like that. Uh, I apologize. I don't remember her last name. But um, the show, you know, the people in charge of the show were saying this is, a, this is a show about Loki's identity and Loki finding out who he really is. And I think that they did a very effective job of that overall. From the beginning, you have this arrogant brash narcissistic version of loki from the avengers and he goes on a journey of self-discovery i think that that is totally great i think that's one of the best parts of the show to be quite honest with you but then i think at the very end they sort of forgot that that was their mission and got so wrapped up in introducing the multiverse because here's the thing you know i mean i i think there's a difference between character growth and a character arc I think that we saw tremendous character growth from this version of Loki, but I don't think we saw a satisfying character arc because at the end of the day, when Sylvie and Loki kiss, which, okay, you know, it wasn't Rise of Skywalker bad, but it wasn't good either. Um, and then Sylvie kicks him out and he's left alone. And now Mobius doesn't even recognize him. I, I asked myself the question of what has this Loki learned throughout his experiences? I mean, he's learned to not be as narcissistic, and that's good. But at the end of the day, the lesson that this show is trying to tell Loki is that no matter how hard you try to not be bad, and to be, you know, as not narcissistic as possible, the world hates you. And you just can't have nice things. And you're alone. And look, that's a great, I think, villain origin story, if not for the fact that we have seen Loki be a villain for some five years before he transferred, uh, before he uh, converted to a hero in, in Ragnarok and Infinity War. So if we want Loki to be a villain again, I guess he can turn bitter all over again and say, I really am alone. And I, you know, Mobi where's Mobius and, and all that sort of stuff. And and that, again, that was just a little disappointing to me. There, you know, I, I don't dislike a lack of closure necessarily. I dislike a lack of closure when it doesn't feel like it's warranted. Um, someone I was talking to was talking to me about The Empire Strikes Back and how this sort of felt like it. And I, I thought, yeah, you know, in a way, right? The Empire Strikes Back was very open-ended at the very end. But also it felt like there was, there was like this tangible plot thread of like, Luke did have the confrontation with his father and he lost because of his own arrogance, because of the things that he did. Because of his pitfalls, he lost. And this show feels more like Loki, in spite of all of his goodness in this series, is still a loser. And maybe that's just me. Um, it, it very well might just be me. But uh, again, it's just something that didn't quite sit well with me, you know? So, look, at the end of the day, and we'll talk about the future of the MCU in the next segment, in the final segment. But at the end of the, at the, end of the day... 
I think WandaVision is by far and away the best show of uh, of the of Phase Four so far, and that's again that's disappointing to me because after after episodes one and two, you guys can go and you'll go back and watch my videos. I said that if Loki continued on this pace, it was going to easily be my favorite show. Not only that, it was going to crack my top five, and it was. If it if it continued on that episode one to two pace, it was going to crack my top five somehow. Top six, maybe. maybe. And at the end of the day, WandaVision had a clear story. Yes, it botched the finale a little bit. It was just, you know, mindless action. All of the visions were great. But Agatha was a disappointment. Fine. You know what? Guardians of the Galaxy is a horrible villain to me. And I think that movie is top 10-ish. And maybe it may, might be 11 or 12. I don't, I don't quite remember off the top of my head. Um, you know, other, what other movies are there that are... I mean, if you'll notice in my top like 10 of my MCU that usually the villains are, are really good. Like Thor Ragnarok though is, is in the top 10. And I don't think Hela is a great villain. That's okay. You know, I don't think Taskmaster is a great villain, but I think Black Widow is easily in the upper half of the MCU. So, you know, you botch Kang and it's fine. Like that, that's not what defines, um, an MCU pro project to me. But at the end of the day, anyways, that WandaVision had a consistency to it. And at the end of the show, when they were closing out, it ended, all, I mean, they had a little bit of an epilogue with Wanda coming back out of the hex and all that sort of stuff, but the ending scene, the true ending of the show was, you know, we have said goodbye before, so it stands to reason that we'll say hello again. So long, darling. That was the end of the show. And, you know, it, it felt right. It felt resonant. It felt like it was good it was it was a good ending even though wanda had done so many bad things it felt like the show had found its closure not resolution necessarily because obviously there's not much resolution for wanda who's going on the run now but closure right like civil war captain america civil war steve beats up iron man and his friends are in prison but there was still closure not necessarily resolution but closure this loki show just felt like it was setting up other stuff. And for everyone saying that Loki season two is going to pick up with all these storylines about Ravana Renslayer, and it very might well, it very might well, it very well might do that. I also think that with this interconnectedness of the MCU, this is one of the disadvantages of that. If it's to be believed, the Hollywood Reporter, Loki is appearing in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Which means that a, a bunch of stuff is going to happen to Loki in between the ending of Loki Season 1 and Loki Season 2. It's not like, for a, for an example, if you have seen the Umbrella Academy, if you haven't seen the Umbrella Academy, a little bit of a spoiler, I won't say exactly what it is, but the end of Season 2 of the Umbrella Academy ends on a gigantic cliffhanger, right? Like, it, just an enormous cliffhanger. And so I expect in the Umbrella Academy Season 3 that the show picks up on that right? I can't expect that from Loki because I don't know what's going to happen in between season one and season two. And to me, that's not necessarily an exciting thing because I want to pick up right where we left off. Okay, you don't give me resolution on Ravana, and now you have a different Mobius and a different B-15 and Loki's lost and Sylvie's at the Citadel and now the Kangs are coming. I want a season two that's standing alone with season one. Where you, where you explore Ravana, where you explore Mobius on his jet ski, where you explore a different evil Kang can be the villain of the whole season two. As it stands, it just doesn't look like that's what's going to happen. So me personally, I find myself not being able to be excited about season two yet. Once we kind of see, you know, what they're going to do, then 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 we'll, we'll kind of figure out. And, and, and the other thing I'll say about this is, is that Kevin Feige you know, said that Loki was going to be a thriller, like a crime thriller, like a, um, like a law, law and order procedural kind of a thing. And the first few episodes were, and those were the best parts of the show, but the last four weren't. So, you know, whatever the trailer for Loki season two and whatever the concept is, whether it's like a buddy cop movie or if it's a space adventure or whatever, I just don't know what to expect because I'm always going to be worried that at the end of the day, it's just going to be setting up the next movie. That's all. So again, my overall thoughts on Loki, wildly inconsistent. The best parts of the show far outweigh 
maybe not far away, but pretty significantly outweigh the neg the negatives, the positives do. And I would still think WandaVision is a better show, but I think that it's better than Falcon and Lunar Soldier because the highs are so much higher than the highs of the Falcon and Lunar Soldier. And those are my thoughts on, on Loki. Look, I'm excited for season two, little nervous, very nervous for him in Doctor Strange with the Multiverse of Madness. I hope they don't just kind of shoehorn him, shoehorn him in there for a little cameo about like, what's going on? The TVA is broken and then Doctor Strange fixes everything. Um, and we'll see. The next show up is, is What If? We'll see if that has any canonical ramifications. If not, the next canon show is What If? Uh, sorry, is Hawkeye, presumably, or maybe Miss Marvel. I think it's Hawkeye though. And um, we'll just move on from there. I didn't like Loki that much, as much as I thought I would, and that's totally fine. But to close out the show, the podcast today, I, I wanted to talk about what I think the future of the MCU is moving forward. Because here's the thing. Once you open up the multiverse, right, it's, it's hard to go back. And what I mean by that is it, once everything is interconnected, right, it's hard for the MCU to just say, oh, but, you know, the multiverse is open, but Shang-Chi is completely unaffected. Or, you know, Thor Love and Thunder is completely unaffected. Um, because I, I don't know, uh, you know, Taika Waititi saying that he got to make the film that he always wanted to make in Thor Love and Thunder, which is great. And I don't think the multiverse was part of that plan. So I, I can't imagine Kevin Feige going up to him and saying, hey, but, you know, your film has to have the multiverse in it, right? And he's, you know... So it's it's a very interesting dilemma of having certain films deal with this multiversal ramification, clearly being uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and Ant-Man the Wasp Quantumania. Probably Ant-Man the Wasp, because it has King. Um, but then you have a show like Hawkeye, where I don't want the multiverse to make any appearance, because that would just be terrible, right? Like, imagine if Black Widow came out, and imagine if... Black Widow, you know, if Black Widow had just like had a random multiversal thing where, I don't know, her real parents came out of nowhere out of a portal and were like, hey, Natasha, and it, it just wouldn't have made sense. However, and this is just me uh, completely speculating, I do think there is a solution to this. And I'm not sure if this is what Marvel wants to do, but this is just my guess at this point. I think Marvel is clearly setting up different quadrants of the MCU. You have the more fantastical parts of the MCU. I think Wanda Maximoff is slowly uh, heading in that direction. I think Doctor Strange is obviously there. You have, um, what is it? You have Loki. You have maybe not Thor 11. We'll talk about the other segments. But, you know, you have the clearly more zany, weird, cosmic parts of the MCU. And I think that that's going to be its own segment. I think you have the Earthbound stuff, which I am really enjoying. The Black Widows, the Falcon and the Winter Soldiers, the Hawkeyes, you know. Um, and obviously you can have things cross over here and they're like Spider-Man No Way Home, but generally things are going to stay in their own lanes for sure. And then you have the sor sort of more, and it's, it's so weird for me to say this, but the more grounded space adventures, right? Like your Guardians of the Galaxy, which probably shouldn't have anything to do with the multiverse. Your Thor Love and Thunders, which probably shouldn't have anything to do with the multiverse. Um... And I think that, you know, I think that Marvel is trying to now separate things into their own quadrants to give different segments of the fandom different things to enjoy. And I think that's a very smart thing to do. How are they going to achieve that? My guess would be that somehow at the end of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, right? Which, by the way, was supposed to be out right after Loki, I think. So, you know it would have been a very natural tie-in for Tom Hiddleston's Loki to be in Doctor Strange 2. But anyways, um, I think that somehow the multiverse will get split off. Like there will be different universes dealing with different things and somehow the Black Widows and the Sam Wilsons and the, you know, the Yelena Belovas, the Hawkeyes will end up in one universe dealing with their own things. Spider-Man will end up in his own universe dealing with Venom things. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy will end up in their own universe dealing with different things. And I think... At the end of the day, what would make a lot of sense then is for Kang obviously to start creeping back in and also for then the Avengers level film to be all of the universes colliding at some point, right? I think that makes the most sense. Where they go after the multiverse, I have no idea. Like, 
after the multiverse, I, I honestly, honestly think it might be time for a reboot. I'm not, I'm not sure about that, but honestly, after the whole multiverse saga phases four, five, six, however long they want to do it, I think it might be time for the MCU to reboot. And I would be totally happy with that. I would. Um, so yeah, I think that, that, you know, in order to have a team like the Dark Avengers operating in the same universe as the multiverse with Kang the Conqueror, you just can't really, you know, you can't really do that unless you sort of splinter them off in their own segments. And I think that would be the smartest thing for Marvel to do. Unlike Thanos, right? You can have the Avengers on Earth, but um, Thanos was all the way on the other side of the galaxy. And then you had crossover heroes like Thor, where he he met both, or like the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, but with, with the multiverse, you can't just say, oh, but the people on Earth aren't really noticing. It's not a big deal. You know, it, it just doesn't make sense. Um, and so that, you know, it's part of the problem of, of Marvel getting bigger and bigger is that they start, they have to account for these things as well. And I'm sure they will be able to. And I just hope at the end of the day that they can keep in mind that, I mean, they, their job is to tell stories, not to set up next films and be part of a universe. It's to tell good stories. And I think that as long as we can remember that, because I don't think Loki did a good job of that, then I think the MCU will be just fine. I think they will be absolutely fine. And that, guys, is the end of this episode, episode five of Access Blockbusters Pod. So again, just a couple reminders. Uh, first of all, thank you for listening if you've listened all the way through. Um, hopefully this is just a nice thing to have in your ear while you're doing something else, just talking about movies and stuff. And again, if you want to participate in the Access Blockbusters Pod, please be sure to fill out the Google form. Um, you can enter a topic, you can enter a Q&A. It's the best way because I don't, um, I don't have a consistent enough schedule to do streams and stuff, so I can't interact with you guys in that capacity. I might experiment with a Discord server, maybe. Uh, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, for now, the best way for you guys to interact with me is in the comments. I respond to every single one. Thank you guys so much. I try to, at least. Um, and fill out the Google form, and you'll probably be in the next episode of Access Blockbusters Pod. So again, thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to check us out on Spotify maybe Apple Podcasts if we're there. Um, and this video will obviously be on YouTube. And again, if you guys you know want to listen to only one part of the show, ABP Clips going to be on YouTube as well. Stay tuned for that. And as always, guys, thank you so much for listening. It has been a blast, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye, guys.